Welcome to Christ Talk Canada, hosted by Pastor Michael. Hello and welcome back to Christ Talk Canada. As always, I'm your host, Pastor Michael. And as most of you know, this podcast is meant to teach believers on how to have a deeply intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But as we dive deeply into Christian topics of the Bible or theology or doctrine or ministry or, you know, any any kind of thing like that, you know, I really want it to relate and impact us on a daily basis and in our daily lives. So today we are going to be discussing the important question of who called you to ministry. And this is a question that every Christian who is involved in ministry must ask themselves. And it is one that we will be exploring through the lens of the Bible today. So as always, let us open up in prayer and then we will go on and get into our discussion. So Heavenly Father, we come before you today with humble hearts and open minds, seeking to discern and follow your calling for our lives. We recognize that your plans for us are greater than anything we could ever imagine. And Lord, we desire to align ourselves with your will and purpose. Lord, Today, we ask that you would guide us and give us wisdom as we seek to discern your calling. Help us to be diligent in our prayers, seeking your guidance and direction at every step of the way. Give us a spirit of humility and submission that we may be willing to lay down our lives for your plans, for your will, for your desires to be in us so that we can follow your will, your perfect and holy will. We ask that you would provide confirmation and affirmation of others in the body of Christ to our calling, Lord. Don't let us seek anything that is selfish. Do not let us seek anything that would give us pride. Lord, keep us all humble. Keep us all in a right mind and in a right path that leads to you and you alone. Lord, I ask that your voice and direction be heard and that the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of ministry would be evident in our lives because of your power, because of your grace, because of your mercy and unconditional love in our lives. Lord God, we trust you and your goodness and your faithfulness, knowing that you have a plan and purpose for each and every life that you hold in your hand. And may we always walk in obedience to your will and be faithful stewards of the calling you have given us. We pray and ask this in Jesus Christ's name, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So, ladies and gentlemen, today, um, as I said, the topic is who called you to ministry? And this podcast is entitled that because I have been uh, questioned or I have been put under microscope, Um, not intentionally, but more of just comes up in conversation sometimes people often look at me like who are you to you know be giving advice or telling me this or 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 anything like that now you know here here's the thing and i'm going to be completely straight up and honest with you i am a pastor i have been ordained i have been appointed uh by a non-denominational ministry okay but that is not 
who called me to ministry. That is not who made me a pastor. That is not who um, made me who I am. So the question still remains, who made me a pastor? Who called me to be a pastor first? And the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is God the Father. They are the ones who laid it upon my heart to give me a desire to want to preach the word. They are the ones who called me to ministry. They are the ones who called me to uh, shepherd a flock in the first place. I it has nothing to do with me it has nothing to do with man or the organization that I am with it has everything to do with God and so this is what I want to talk about today and most people in the world are so infatuated with titles and positions that they forget the real reason why they are a minister or a pastor or an evangelist or a preacher or whatever calling you have so first I want to look at the importance of this question and the calling to ministry is not something that should be taken lightly, brothers and sisters. It is a serious, serious responsibility that requires dedication, commitment, and a deep love for God and his people. And without clear understanding of who called us to ministry, we, we, sorry, we risk losing sight of our purpose and becoming severely ineffective in our service to God. So, who does the Bible say called us to ministry? And let's start by looking at at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 to 3. And Paul, it, it says this, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Suthens, I think is the our brother, I think that's how you say his name, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here Paul makes it clear that we that that he, sorry, was called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. This is a critical point to remember. Our calling to ministry comes from God, not from our own desires or ambitions, not from another man, not from some denomination, not from some, you know, education or anything like that. It is from God. And if you do not have a desire, a ambition from God in your life for ministry. You are not meant to be in ministry. I am sorry, and I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but I am being truthful here. I am telling you what the word of God says and what it approves and does not approve. And and a lot of people will not like this topic, but I am sorry. It has to be said. A lot of people out there today are calling themselves a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist. I'm this, I'm that. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not even close to it. And and if you think you are and the way you act and the way you conduct yourself with people who reach out to you for help and you treat them like trash, that is not a sign of you being called by God to be in ministry. If you are not imitating the characteristics of Jesus Christ, humbleness, meekness, forgiving, you know, all those things, you are not a pastor. You are not called to be in ministry. God still needs to work on you. So let's also look at 1 Timothy chapter 1 verses 12 to 13. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has in 
enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a prosecutor, and an isolate man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Again, Paul, again, emphasizes that it was Christ who enabled him and put him into ministry. It was not something that he chose for himself, but rather something that God chose for him. So again, I say to you, who called you to ministry? So how can we discern if we have been called to ministry? And one way is to examine our own desires and motivations. Do we have a deep desire to serve God and his people? Do you really want to serve God's people? Do you have a passion for the gospel? Do you have a desire to see others come to faith, to come to salvation in Jesus Christ? These may be indications that God is calling you, me, everyone who we interact with to ministry. If they have a burning passion and desire for the word of God, to see people saved, to see people set free, to see people just consumed by Christ in every way possible, in all throughout their lives. That is a good indication that you are being called to ministry. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you are called to ministry. God has to put that calling on you, okay? Another way to seek confirmation is from others in the church. Yes, we need to be a part of a church, brothers and sisters. We need to be taught. We need to hear the word of God because that is what produces faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. So how are you going to stay in a strong faith? How are you going to build up your faith if you are not hearing the word of God? And you know, listening to a sermon or a lesson on the internet is not the same as being in a physical place with physical people who are trying to accomplish the same thing as you. I am not saying that the church is a physical building. No, the church is the people, the body of Christ. But what I am saying is when you go to a building, it is just a building. It has no significance on your relationship with God. That building is just a, a place where you host the worship service. But God, if God is not in that place, if you do not feel the love of God in that place, leave. Do not stay there because that is not where God wants you to be. So as I said, another way to seek confirmation is from others in your church. This can include pastors, mentors, other believers. This could be someone you don't even know. No, just walks up to you and says, you know, God's really laying it upon my heart to, to tell you, you know, that you are called to ministry, that you are something about you is God's using to call you to ministry. And that can happen. That happened to me. That happened to me several times uh, throughout when I was, you know, maturing in my faith and growing and becoming uh, who God created me to be. I was, God was turning me into his masterpiece and he still very much is, you know, refining me and, and, and teaching me and helping me to grow into the masterpiece that he wants me to be, the, to, to conform me to the image of his son. And so ultimately our calling comes from God. We must be attentive to his leading above all else. We must listen to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so let's turn now to 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. It says this, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose 
and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Okay, I, let's stop there just for a second. As we can see, our calling to ministry is not based on whether we've done good things or, or anything like that. It doesn't matter what we have done. It doesn't matter about our works or merits, but it's on God's own purpose. It's on God's own grace. It is a holy calling that we must take seriously and one that we should always be seeking to fulfill with humility and obedience. You know, let's let's dive a little bit deeper into what it means to be called to ministry. First, we need to understand that ministry is not a job or a career, but rather a calling that requires deep spiritual commitment to God and his people. And as we see in Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 13 and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry and for edifying the body of christ till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the son of god to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here we see that those who are called to ministry are given specific gifts and roles by God and God alone to equip the saints for the work of ministry and to edify the body of Christ. This is not something that we can do on our own, but rather it is a work that God has called us to do as part of his plan and his purpose. And furthermore, our calling to ministry is not just about serving God and his people, but it's also about living a life that is pleasing to God. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 15, we read this, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth here paul encourages timothy to be diligent in his work and to rightly divide the word of truth so that he may present himself approved to god not to men man has nothing to do with it it's all about god it has always been about god it will always be about god this is an important reminder that our calling to ministry is not just about doing or being in good works but it's also about living a life that is in accordance with god's will and word so how can we ensure that we are living out our calling to ministry in a a way that pleases God. And one way is to constantly seek his guidance and direction through prayer and meditation upon his word. And as we read in Psalm 119.105, which I love this psalm, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word provides us with the guidance and direction we need to fulfill our calling that he has put on us for his glory, for his grace, for his purposes and plan and will, and to live a life that is pleasing to him. Again, I, I'm going to repeat this again. It has always been about God. It will always be about God. It has nothing to do with you or any other man who you think has called you to ministry. No, God calls you to ministry. Christ has chosen you before the very foundation of the world. We have to get that through our minds. We really need to pay attention to what God is doing in our lives. And as we continue 
our discussion on this biblical subject of who called you to ministry. It is important to understand that our calling to ministry is not limited to specific roles or titles within the church. In fact, as followers of Christ, we are called to be ministers of the gospel and to share the good news with those around us, even if we are not a pastor, a preacher, an evangelist, a deacon, an elder, a bishop. It is our responsibility to share the gospel with everyone who will hear it and who for those who will accept it. It is our duty just as a Christian to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, sorry, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 18 to 19, which reads this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. I'm sorry I get jumbled up on my words sometimes, uh, brothers and sisters. I'm really trying to speak proper and, and fluently, but sometimes I get jumbled up. So uh, going back to the subject, here we see that all believers have been given the ministry of reconciliation, which involves sharing the good news of salvation with others and leading them to Christ. This does not need to make you a pastor or an evangelist or a bishop or anything like that. This is just our duty as accepting Christ as Lord and Savior and God providing us with the free gift of salvation. This is a duty of every believer, and this is a vital part of our calling as followers of Christ, and it requires a willingness to step out in faith and share our faith with others. So it's also important to note that our calling to ministry is not just about what we do, but it's also about how or who we are in Christ. And as we read in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So yet again, here we see that our identity as believers is closely tied to our calling to ministry. We are chosen. We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation set apart by God for his purposes. This identity gives us the strength and courage we need to fulfill our calling to ministry and to live a life that is pleasing to God. So, what does it mean to live out our calling to ministry in our daily lives? It means seeking to serve God and others in all that we do, whether it's in our day jobs, our relationships, our ministries within the church. It means being willing to step out in faith and take risks for the go- for the sake of the gospel. And it means relying on God's strength, guidance, rather than our own abilities or talents. We also must recognize that our calling is not just a one-time event, but rather an ongoing process of growth and development in our relationship with God. And in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14, the Apostle Paul speaks to this very idea. And it says this, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. 
Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And here, Paul acknowledges that even as an apostle, he had not yet fully attained the fullness of his calling, but rather he continued to press forward towards the goal of what God had for him. This reminds us that our calling is not just about where we are or about where we are headed in our walk with God. It is about God and only will be about God. Additionally, it's important to recognize that our calling to ministry is not just about what we do, but also about who we are becoming. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 to 21, Paul writes this, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Now, I don't know about all of you, but I definitely want to be, you know, refined and and made for the purpose where I am honoring God and being a vessel for God. You know, I we need to find these ways of cleansing ourselves from dishonorable behavior or attitudes that will hinder us or not be useful for, for God to use. So, you know, ministry is not just about doing good things for God, but it's about allowing him to transform us from the inside out. It means that we are willing to submit to his leading and to allow him to shape us into to the people or person he wants us to be. And it means being willing to take risk and step out of our comfort zone in order to fulfill his purpose for our lives. Now, the next subject I want to talk about is, you know, what qualifies you for ministry? How do you know that you are even qualified? Well, again, I'm going to say that I'm going to say this again. It has nothing to do with you. It will never have anything to do with you. Let's just put it that way. Ultimately, you know, the qualifications for ministry are, are, are outlined in the Bible. And it's important for us to understand and apply these standards as we seek to serve God in leadership positions. And one of the most well-known passages on this topic is found in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1-7, to where Paul provides a list of qualifications for overseers or leaders in the church. So let me just read that passage to you. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, least being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation of as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, least he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So yes, there are certain guidelines that, that God requires us 
to follow by and to be in that position. Now, I mean, yes, uh, we have plans to start a church um, called In the Father's House. And we are being very blessed by God because God is really opening up the doors that we need open. So I know that God is leading me to do this. However, this did not happen overnight, brothers and sisters. I have been, you know, dealing and working in ministry for the last 10 years. I have preached, I have teached, I have helped, I have served, I have, you know, done anything and everything I could to show that I really wanted to be in ministry, that I really desired to be in ministry. And I kept feeling like God was telling me, be patient, it's coming, be patient, it's coming, just keep being faithful with what I give you. And and, and I did. And, and I'm telling you right now that God has really, 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 really opened up doors for me. And this is why in the Father's house, was birth. This is why this ministry is now becoming an active thing in my life and in the people's lives that I am associated with. You know, there are certain things that this passage talks about. I'm a husband of one wife, okay? I I cannot say that I am blameless because we are never going to be blameless until we reach heaven. But I I mean, I try very, very hard to be a godly-centered man, and I try to encourage and uplift and be there for people as they need. And and I don't drink alcohol. I, I'm not violent. I'm not greedy for money. I am gentle. I, try, I mean, I try to be. Uh, I'm not quarrelsome. I'm not covenantous. I don't, uh, you know, I don't look at other women and lust after them. I, I, you know, I don't look at pornography or anything like that. I am focused on God and God alone. There's a lot of preachers and a lot of pastors out there who are living a secret life. And in that secret life, they are looking at pornography. They are looking at lustful things and they are allowing themselves to fall into those temptations and trials and they are still serving in the church as a pastor and i know of pastors who are doing this i have been told horror stories of some of these pastors and i'm just like i'm shaking my head and i'm like god how are you still allowing this like what is going on here and god's plan and purpose is for a reason and i have to trust that his plan and purpose and and that they will turn from their wickedness and they will repent and they will be set free from it. You know, I pray for them and I try to do all that I can. But as that passage says, least he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So the sna- obviously the devil has got a hold of some of these people. And, you know, as we read through this passage, we see that there are personal and relational qualifications for those who desire to be leaders in the church. And some of these qualifications include being blameless, temperate, uh, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, and ruling their own households well. So, I mean, yes, I I have the respect of my wife. I love my wife. I I treat her like she is a precious gem. And I always try to make the best of every situation. I am not the most richest man in the world, nor do I care to be. I struggle financially because I have bills to pay. And I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I have that and I have this. But I trust God. I trust God that he will provide for me. Yes, maybe I am suffering financially. But that has nothing to do with what God is doing in my life and how God is working in my life. I have clothes 
on my back. I have food in my stomach. I have a roof over my head. I have a car that I can drive. I have money that, that comes in to help me pay my bills. What am I lacking? Nothing, nothing. I am not lacking anything. Any extra money that comes in is a blessing from God. And this is why I always say in the beginning of my podcast, when I first started, if you feel like God is leading you to, fine, so be it. But I'm not going to ask you for it. And even in the church, I'm not going to ask you to tithe. That is between you and God. That's nothing to do with me. If you want to bless the ministry, that's between you and God. Yes, the the ministry, the church needs money. Don't get me wrong. All churches need money to to grow and to mature and to, you know, become independent. So don't get me wrong. But I'm never going to sit there as a pastor and say, you need to tithe at least $10 every service or $20 every service or $1,000 every service. I am not like that. And I don't ever want to be like that. You know, Um, another important aspect to consider is spiritual gifts. And we can read about this in 1 Corinthians 12. And Paul teaches that each believer has been given a unique gift or talent by the Holy Spirit. And these gifts are to be used for the benefit of the church. So someone who desires to be in ministry should also have a clear sense of their spiritual gifts and be willing to use them for the sake of others. I would say that a heart for God and a willingness to serve him are also key qualifications for ministry. And in 2 Timothy 2 21 paul writes therefore if anyone cleanses himself from the latter he will be a vessel for honor sanctified and useful for the master prepared for every good work and this reminds us that it's not just about meeting a list of qualifications but it's also about having a heart that is pure and ready to be used by god for his purpose another passage that sheds light on the subject is found in titus chapter 1 verses 5 to 9 where paul instructs titus on the qualifications for elders in the church and so let me read this passage to you real quick for this reason i left you in create that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children and not accused of dispensation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. This, sorry, this passage is similar to the one in 1 Timothy, but it adds some additional qualifications such as having faithful children and holding fast to sound doctrine. It is also important to note that these qualifications are not just for elders, but also for deacons, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 8 through 13. Now, let me just say this. I know a bishop who does not meet all of these qualifications. Um, And I'm not going to say anything about this person. I'm not even going to call that person out. I'm just saying that there are, there are scriptures that are not being followed. Um, So, you know, there are other aspects to consider Um, education and training. Um, I'm not knocking formal education. Um, 
I don't believe that formal education is necessarily uh, required for ministry. It can be very helpful in developing the skills and knowledge needed to effectively lead and serve in church. Yes, and many churches and denominations have training programs or seminars that provide theological education and practical ministry experience. But I really have to kind of go in some way against that because the colleges and seminaries in the world today, they don't care about providing you with biblical education anymore. They are all about money. And and I have heard some horrific things about Bible colleges and seminaries where some of the professors who are teaching you don't even believe in God anymore, have walked away from the faith. And that disturbs me. This, this bothers me. So yes, I believe that sometimes as if you are a pastor and you see, and this, per, let's say you have a young gentleman uh, who's like 18, 19, and you see a calling on this guy, like God's just really working in his life. Take him on as a protege using Star Wars terminology here as a Padawan, okay? Now, listen to me. As a pastor, your responsibility is to observe everything that goes on in the church. And yes, sometimes we're going to miss things. Sometimes we're going to fall short. I'm not saying we have to be perfect. But if you see someone who has a calling on their life, don't be jealous. As a pastor, don't be jealous because that's sin. In fact, Take that person under your wing, train them up in the ways of God and set them on a path and watch God work on their life, in their life. I'm telling you that uh, that alone is a blessing in disguise for you. Okay, that is, that is a moment in which you get to serve God in a different way. Remember, your calling isn't just for one specific title. No, God has called you to all areas of ministry. Okay, you know, it's important to remember that the qualifications alone do not guarantee effectiveness in ministry. And ultimately, it is the Holy Spirit who empowers and enables us to serve God and make an impact for his kingdom. And as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-6, to not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Now, the qualifications for ministry based on the biblical passages we have discussed are, are this, personal and rational qualities, above reproach and blameless character, 1 Timothy 3.2, Titus 1, 6-7. Temperate and self-controlled. 1 Timothy, pardon me, 3-2, Titus 1-8. Respectable and hospitable. Uh, 1 Timothy 3-2 and Titus 1-8. Not quarrelsome or violent. 1 Timothy 3-3. Gentle and not overbearing. 1 Timothy 3-3. Not a lover of money. 1 Timothy 3-3, Titus 1-7. Good reputation with, with those outside the church. 1 Timothy 3.7 Spiritual giftings, gifted in teaching and or leadership. 1 Timothy 3.2 Titus 1.9 A heart for God and his people. 1 Timothy 3.1 So how do I know my calling is from God and not my own selfish desires or selfish purposes? So this is a very important topic and one that many Christians struggle with. It's natural to wonder if our calling is really from God or if it's our own idea. So how do we know if our calling is truly from God? Well, with that being said, let's explore 
some biblical passages or and biblical principles, okay, that can help us discern God's calling for our lives. First and foremost, it's important to seek God and his will for guidance. And we need to do this through prayer and studying the word of God, right? So in Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6, and most of us should know this verse because it's it's used a lot. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Brothers and sisters, we need to surrender our will, our desires, our ambitions, our life to God and ask him to reveal his plan, his purpose for our lives. Another principle to consider is the role of confirmation from others. Sometimes, like I said, sometimes God will put someone in our path at, at church or when we're in the grocery store, there could be another Christian. It could be not a Christian. I don't know. God will use whoever he wants. But sometimes we can get confirmation from other people that we do not know. Someone could have something given to them by God and they'll walk up to us and say, hey, I know I don't know you, but God is really telling me to tell you X, Y, and Z. And if it can be backed up by the Bible and it ends up coming to, to pass, then you know it's from God. You know that that person was not speaking of their own authority, but through the presence and authority of God Almighty. You can trust it. So in Acts 13, 1 through 3, we read about the Holy Spirit calling Paul and Barnabas to be missionaries. It was the leaders of the church who recognized and confirmed this calling. Similarly, 1 Timothy 4:14, Paul tells Timothy to not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the eldership. Confirmation from other believers can serve as a validation of God's calling for our lives. And additionally, we need to consider the alignment of our calling with God's word and character. Our calling should be consistent with the principles and values taught in scripture, and it should reflect God's character and nature. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33 says this, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Our calling should bring peace and clarity, not confusion and uncertainty. It's important to consider the fruit of our calling. And Jesus said in Matthew 7, 16, you will know them by their fruits. Our calling should produce good fruit and impact the lives of others for the glory of God. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 lists the fruit of the spirit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's our calling. If, if our calling is truly from God, it should produce this kind of fruit in our lives and the lives of others that we are serving, that we are helping to grow in Christ. Another important factor to consider while discerning God's calling for our lives is the role of personal desire and passion. God, if God is truly calling you to ministry, you will have a desire for ministry. You will have a desire and a passion for God's word, for God's people, for God. God often uses our own natural abilities, interests, desires to guide us towards his purposes for our lives. And in Psalm 37 4 we read this delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart when our hearts are aligned with God's will he can shape and direct our desires to fulfill his plans for us it's it does not get any more simpler than that brothers and sisters I mean the word is telling us right here when our hearts are aligned with God's will he will can shape and direct our 
our desires to fulfill his plans for us. So it's important to note that our desires and passions alone are not enough to validate our calling. Yes, but they must also be tested and aligned with God's word and character. Jeremiah 17.9 warns, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. We must examine our desires and passions in light of scripture and seek confirmation from other believers. Another factor to consider is the willingness to submit to God's will and serve him faithfully. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, we are exhorted to humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God's calling often requires sacrifice, obedience, and perseverance. We must be willing to lay down our own plans, desires, our lives, and trust in God's provision and direction. Remember that God's calling for our lives may not always be clear or straightforward right away. Sometimes God may lead us through a process of refining and testing and preparation before revealing his ultimate plan for us. And this is exactly what happened to me. I've been a Christian for 22 years. And in the last 10 years, God has slowly brought me into ministry, brought me to the point where now God is in gifted me with a church to call my own, to make my own, but with his guidance, with his ways with his you know faithfulness and and power and authority and and all that kind of stuff it has again it has nothing to do with me and i will do everything i can to honor god in all that i do and to be humble to god because it, it without him I am nothing. I will always be nothing until I reach heaven, until I stand before my great and wonderful Savior and Lord and God. I am nothing. I am worthless. I do not deserve the call that God has put on me. But God saw me to be worthy because of his son and because of what his son has done. It has nothing to do with me and it has nothing to do with you. So get rid of your prideful, selfish uh, behaviors and thinking that you are doing something because you're not. It's, it's God. It's always been God. It will always be God. I, I cannot stress this enough, you know, and, and I, again, I am not trying to attack anyone and I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone. I am just simply trying to say that there are things that some people do who call themselves a pastor, who call themselves a preacher, an evangelist, an elder, a deacon, a bishop, and you don't know the first thing about ministry. You don't know the first thing about being that position. You just go on with your own selfish desires, thinking you know what's best, and you don't, because God hasn't really called you. And if he did, it would show in your life. You would be willing to serve Everybody and anybody, no matter what they look like, no matter how they dress, no matter what kind of car they rode or what kind of career they had or how much they knew or did not know about the Bible or anything for that matter, you would be willing to serve because that is what Christ, that is what God has put in your heart. You are not your own. You belong to God. Your call is from God. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. It is all about God. And that is it. Now, just before I, I close off here, Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Seeking counsel and guidance from other believers who are mature 
in their faith and have a good understanding. And, and I'm going to repeat that. They're mature in their faith and have a good understanding of the truth of God's word can help us to discern whether our calling is truly from God or not. And we should pay attention to the fruit that our ministry produces. And in Matthew 7, 16, Jesus says this, you will know them by their fruits. If your calling is from God, we should see evidence of his power and grace at work in your life and in the lives of others that are in and through your ministry. This may come in a form of changed hearts, healed relationships, transformed communities. The fruit of the ministry can help us to confirm that we are truly called by God to serve him in a particular way. And finally, before I close off in prayer, we must be diligent in prayer. Seek God's guidance continually throughout the process of discerning our calling. And James 1.5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. God promises to guide us and give us wisdom when we truly seek him with a sincere sincere heart and willingness to obey his will. So brothers and sisters, let us close in prayer. And then I have some final remarks for you. Heavenly Father, oh wow, we thank you so much for the time of reflection and learning about discerning our calling for our life that you, oh Lord, have put upon us, that you have called us, Lord. And we recognize that your that you have bestowed upon us a calling. And Lord, that you would help us to discern your will in a pro in this process that requires humility wisdom and discernment we pray that you would continue to guide us and lead us and confirm the calling that you have placed on our lives lord help us not to be selfish help us not to do this in our own ambitions in our own ways lord help us to depend on you for all things lord help us to seek your will continually and to trust in your provision and and guidance we pray that you would give us the patience and perseverance to wait on your timing and to trust in your ultimate plan for our lives. Lord, we ask for the confirmation and affirmation of others in the body of Christ as we seek to discern your calling, Lord. Bring us the people that you want to bring us that will confirm that yes you are calling us to ministry yes you want us to be in the ministry but that does not mean that the next day i you anybody will be in ministry lord help people to realize this help people to understand this that it takes time that it takes patience that it takes perseverance that it takes seeking you and knowing you discerning everything and to allowing people to provide guidance and support in our lives lord lord we also pray for the fruit of our ministries if we if we are in that position to have a ministry lord we pray for the fruit of your ministry to be in uh, in the ministry that you have blessed us with and given us lord we ask that there would be evidence of your grace and wonder working power at work lord in our lives and in, in our members lives and in our the people that we serve lord help their lives to be transformed because of what you are doing in us help us to be faithful and obedient servants who seek to glorify you and you alone in all that we do thank you so much for your faithfulness and your love for us, your unconditional love. May we continue to seek your will 
and follow your guidance as we serve you and serve others throughout our lives. We pray all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So in closing, discerning God's calling for your life, for our lives, is a general, you know, journey in which requires patience and diligence and a deep relationship with God. And it is important to seek guidance, confirmation from others in the body of Christ, and the production of good fruit in our lives and ministries. And we must, again, we must align our desires and passions with God's will and character, sorry, and be willing to submit to His plans for our lives, even when it is difficult. So as we seek to discern God's calling, let us remember the, wor- the words of Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. May we trust in God's goodness and faithfulness and follow his leading with humility and obedience. And as we continue to serve in the ministry that God has provided us, let us remember the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brother, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you so much once again for joining me here on Christ Talk Canada. As always, I'm your host, Pastor Michael, and I wish you all the best. And I ask that you would continue to see God in everything that you do. May God bless you abundantly as you seek to discern and fulfill his calling for your life. Remember, walk in the spirit. God bless you. See you next time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in tomorrow for the next episode.